Great music this morning. Thank you to the band. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friends Church. My name is Alita. I'm part of the charitable giving team here. Um, Of course, there's got to be money to make the church run, and we are so grateful and thankful to all of you who um, donate and contribute um, to the charitable giving. We have lots of different options. You can go online and go on to www.friendschurch.com. Click the donate button. We also have the Friends Church app um, called the Spiritual Gym, which just resonates with me. I I love that metaphor. And if you're old school and still carry checks like me, we have a black box at the back, and it's tax season. So if you want a tax receipt, we can definitely help you out there. Um, Announcements. We have um, a casino coming up for Friends Church, which is really exciting because... um, We just get a huge um, influx to help us sustain and do the work that we do here. And we've had 29 people sign up so far, which is so great. It's fantastic. We still have 11 spots open that we need people to step up for. So if, uh, if you're open, if you're looking into that, it's online. You can look at the different spots available. And it's a great way to get involved. And it's also a really great way to build community over shared experiences. If you've never volunteered for a casino, it's actually kind of a lot of fun. You don't have to have any um, skills beforehand. You don't have to be an accountant or anything. You can be a chip runner. There's lots of different roles. They usually give you like a food chit so you can order up Chinese food and you sit around and you get to meet all these great other people who you're working with. So it's a wonderful way to connect and get involved. Um, And if the casino isn't your thing or you don't have time for a shift at that, then look on the website. We've got lots of amazing things happening like the River Pathway cleanup, um, other small groups. Come out, get connected. We can be out and be together once again and see each other and spend time together um, now that so many of those restrictions are lifted. So I encourage you to come out and build community through shared experiences. Thanks, Alita. Yeah, uh, I'm all about the food at the casino, so uh, that's that's one of my big motivators. I, I know uh, the casino that we're working at, uh, Cowboys, they got a great sushi restaurant. Just saying. So uh, come join in. The fun is there. Uh, friendschurch.ca forward slash casino. You can find out how to get signed up. Good morning, everyone. Is everyone good? Like, just mellow? Okay, I'll quit asking questions then. <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, so we've been in this How to Grow, um, How to Change series, and so thrilled with the feedback. I don't know if there's been a, a series that I have received as much feedback on from as this past one, the number of people that are identifying things in their life, uh, maybe things that they, they identified long ago, but they've wanted... To, to get traction on, to change, to improve, to move forward, progress in their lives. And um, they're talking about strategies that they're implementing, things that they're seeing for the first time that have held them back, and they're taking steps forward. So I, I want to, first of all, thank all of you who have opened up and shared your story with us. We're just thrilled for you, thrilled for the change. And if you're just new to the 
kind of the series. Maybe you're here for the first time. Welcome. Um, you can download the podcast. You can go on YouTube, see some of our former messages. Uh, this is what, week four of five on this series. Thrilled. Thrilled how it's going. So don't miss out. If you have missed any of those, you might want to check them out. One of the greatest inspirations for me, uh, specifically around my mechanical or handyman exploits, is, uh, was my father-in-law. His name was Bill. Bill Zabirin. He's my uh, wife's father. Immigrant from the old country. Actually, from Ukraine. And... That guy was handy. I mean, if you saw his garage, you couldn't believe. I think he had every tool under the sun in that garage. I remember walking in there for the, for the first time, just like, whoa, now that is a garage. He had his own way of kind of organizing everything. I'd get in there, we would start working on something on a vehicle, and he would jump up straight to, he had these walls of drawers and he would reach into one grab the thing he wanted like just like this and then back down into under the hood I just marveled at that and whether it was in the garage at home or I was working on some electrical he says I'll be right over he'd help me he'd have his tools in there just gave me such confidence but in his later stages of his life uh, he passed away a number of years ago he was diagnosed with dementia. He had Parkinson's and then dementia set in. And one of the saddest things was when we would be working away on something and uh, he'd say, oh, air ratchet. I'd say, I, I can grab it. He'd say, no, no, I'll grab it. He'd jump up and he would head over to that spot in his garage where it was and he would almost be there. And then I'd watch it was like something happened and he would just kind of blank and I would be busy on something then I'd notice and I'd look up and I'd go, Dad? He's like, yeah. I said, what are you doing? And he would be embarrassed. He'd say, um, I'm just doing some stuff over here. I said, are you grabbing the air ratchet? Oh, yeah. And then it became more and more, and there'd be times where he'd be so frustrated. He'd be standing over something, and he'd just be like, not even sure what to say or do. Painful to watch that happen. Just the the breaking of focus and the blank slate, the forgetfulness. It got to the point where it was just wearing out his desire to even go into the garage, which was just heartbreaking because he loved being out there, loved working on little projects. He just, just started rattling everything inside him to the point where he just unmotivated. You know, I think about dad sometimes as I start pondering the topic of today. Because I think in a much subtler way, the thing that afflicted dad is something that is afflicting our society, our culture, our world right now. Specifically to this loss of focus, distraction, this place of just like, 
wait a second, what, what was I just doing? I, I don't know about you, man. Man, I, I can be right in the middle of something upstairs and I'll think, oh, I, I need to grab something out of the garage. I'll go running down and grab my phone on the way and start checking texts. And I get to this point where I'm like just about to the garage and I, I look at it and go, oh, I, a second here. And I start responding to that text. And then next thing you know, I'm in the kitchen making myself something to eat. And I'm like, where was I again? How many have ever felt that? You know, a kid screams. You're right in the middle of something. Kid screams. You drop what you're doing. You go down. You tend to what they're doing. And then it's like 1130 that night. You're going, ah, I didn't put out the recycling. Ugh. Are you, <laughs> you'll be sitting there watching a show and you get that dreaded text, the real bad one. You know that? says, hey, are you, are you here? You go, where am I? What do you mean? He said, I'm, I'm at the back table in the corner. I'm like, oh, oh no, oh no, lunch appointment. Shoot, 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 shoot. It happens, doesn't it? Jeez. Go to sit down on your, work on your taxes. Music starts, you know, a certain song comes over the speaker and you're like, oh, it triggers a memory. Next thing you know, you're ordering something off of Amazon. You, you, you're like, wait a second. Oh, yeah. Let me ask you something. When was the last time you, just think about this. When was the last time, even this last week, you just kind of got disoriented, forgot about something? This happens This happens all the time. Not because you lack a level of confidence or or ability. Not because you struggle with self-doubt like we talked about last week. Not because you don't want to. There's motivation to do the things you're doing, but something happens. It's like, uh, and then it's gone. In a hyper-distracting world like the one we live in now, this has quickly become the most common culprit of personal life stagnation. We stagnate. These squirrels jump out in the middle of life and it's just like our attention span just gets yanked hard. And we either forget completely what we're doing or we just become disoriented or we start chasing something else that we didn't even want in the first place. How many felt that? What makes this tragic is that in the process of being distracted, in the process of kind of losing a sense of what, what it is that we really should be doing, the dream, the goal, the hope for change. You know, I, I tell myself, I want to be more present. I'm always kind of fixating on stuff out there or, or thinking about stuff that happened. You know, I have a hope of being a more attentive partner, picking up on the cues, better dad for my kids. I have these hopes of kind of improving parts of my life, things I want to pursue in my spare time. But man, these distractions come in. It's just like, I was listening to a guy named Johan Yari. You heard of this guy, Johan Yari? 
He invested his life in studying human focus. If you haven't heard of him, he actually he's written a number of books. His two, his two TED Talks are some of the most watched TED Talks of all time. He wrote a book recently called Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention. And I'm telling you, this book is sobering. He says, we think it's just our inability to to really want it badly. It's a matter of willpower, why we get so distracted. He said, nothing could be further from the truth. He says, right now we are experiencing these external forces on us many of us are not even aware of. And they are like gravitational pull, just sucking the focus away from whatever you're doing. He says, right now we're in one of the greatest attention crises of all time. And I got to tell you, if for anyone that's serious about changing or morphing, growing yourself to achieve certain things in your life, for anyone that has a vision of something they want more for themselves, this should be very sobering. This should snap, pull your attention in right now. Because I tell you, if you can't focus, if you can't give your attention to something and get traction, it ain't happening. It isn't happening. We need to figure out how to minimize the distraction, how to laser in our focus to get the movement that we really want. In his book, he talks about this very thing where all of a sudden we start focusing on something. He calls it flow state. It's not, he didn't come up with the term. It's, if you've read much on this whole area of focus, it's a common term. Flow state really is, is those spaces that you can get into where all of a sudden your focus just lasers into something. I was speaking with Mano Corbeil. I don't know if some of you would know her. She's a part of our community, her and her husband, Richard. But she's a, a very successful abstract artist. I was in her studio just actually this past week. And I was asking her about just her process of painting. She says, I said, you kind of start off kind of with some ideas of how it's going to work. She said, Jeff, honestly... I start putting shapes and lines on that page, and all of a sudden in my head, the vision just starts popping, popping. The colors start coming. Different images start coming. She says, I get into this state. I said, do you have music playing? She goes, no music, no nothing. The phone's off. I just get into the state. I said, how long can you paint? Like? She goes, there are sometimes, it just takes over. I will be down here for hours just full on. She said, it's like I can't paint fast enough. The experts would describe that as a flow state. You get so focused, so absorbed in what you're doing. It's like the energy levels, the motivation of the creativity begins to pop. Experts have studied the lives of some of the greatest performers and artists, athletes, business people. They've learned whether they did it strategically in reading books or they just figured out their, flow, their way to build it, but they have found ways to immerse themselves in that flow state where what they're capable of producing is just incredible. But Yoan Curry goes on to say that this flow state is being experienced so rarely. Now, each of us have had moments of it. 
Chances are there is something in your life where when you begin to do it, it just has that way of just drawing you in. You get so immersed in it, you lose sense of time. You can't, you, someone says, what are you doing? It's like, what, what time is it? Oh, man, I, I've just been into this. It can happen when you're reading something and the, it just, it's leaping off the page. You've experienced it perhaps when you've been at home, involved in a favorite hobby of yours. In between hot dogs and beer, I've experienced it on the golf course. It's just like, have these moments until it gets shanked into the trees and I come out of it, I pop out of it. <laughs> Which maybe is more common than I want to admit. You've experienced these moments. Sadly, though, it is such a rare commodity. There are just so many other things that are competing for our attention. And sadly, our attention spans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter. So just as you're getting into something, you're off to the next thing. Let me just ask you to be in an honest moment, and you don't have to tell me, but how distracted are you? Why don't you ask yourself that question? How distracted are you? How easy is it for you to just turn everything off and focus on something? Why is that? What keeps us from focusing? What gets in the way? What are your squirrels that all of a sudden start yanking you out of your moments? There are many things that can do this. Many things. But Johann Curry speaks about two things in particular. The gravitational pull of these forces are so powerful. They're rendering us literally almost useless. They make life exponentially more difficult. You know what he refers to? Isn't that the number one culprit right now? Yep. Tech addiction is what he calls it. Now, I know everyone in this room never wants to be labeled as an addict. But I'm part of that club. This thing has got my number. How about you? I see some mad elbowing going on around here. (laughs) The average person checks their phone 58 times a day. 58 times. For people between the ages of 18 to 24, the average is 90, almost double. On average, we spend more than five hours a day on our phones, 35 hours a week, 150 hours a month, 75 full 24 hours a day, days, a year. Over two months straight on this thing. For teens, almost three months. Let that sink in for a second. 24-7 for three straight months of the year is on this thing. This is likely the most socially acceptable addiction on the planet. 
when it comes to helping people get focused, Yari, in his book, used this really disturbing illustration. He said, offering advice for someone to help them focus while they're under the sting, the power of an addiction like this, he said really is the equivalent of shaking a whole bunch of itching powder over someone, over every part of their body, and letting that take over where they literally are going nuts, and then say, okay, now we're gonna meditate to help you focus. That's how powerful this thing is against your focus. I've spoken about this specific thing, tech addiction, about a year and a half ago. It was a message I called the socially acceptable addiction. So I'm not gonna go into detail today to deal with that. I will just offer two pieces of advice just to move on. One is watch, watch The Social Dilemma. It's a de- documentary on Netflix. Um, very sobering. But it talks about the hooks, the dopamine addiction that the notifications on this phone will do to you. How everything that we're watching online is designed to snag your attention. You need to watch that, number one. Number two, turn off unnecessary notifications. Unless they're absolutely critical, which reminds me, let me do that right now. (laughs) Turn them off. If you don't absolutely need them, turn them off because they are just yanking you. Every time you can be approaching, come on out. I'm going to talk about that in a second. The second really powerful force that Yari speaks to is sleep deprivation. I've talked about my own sleeping challenges in the past, but if you've been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say after a long sleepless night where you're tossing and turning, you're bored stiff, you can't get your mind to turn off, perhaps you're hot, you're uncomfortable, and you're waiting, just praying you'll go to sleep, you maybe reach for your phone out of boredom, you're sitting there scrolling, and then finally, the eyes start nodding off and then your alarm goes off. Is there anything more painful when then you hear that alarm and it feels like you just closed your eyes and it's just like, oh no, no. And you stumble over to the bathroom and it's like your head is in a fog. Did you know that that fog that you feel, brain fog, when you get no sleep, you know what that is? This is crass. It's actually metabolic waste that's accumulated on your brain. Did you know that? Brain poop develops. Your brain gives it off. And did you know that when you sleep at night, there's a fluid that your brain gives off that actually flushes that stuff away from the surface of your brain out through your waste system eventually. Did you know that? So when you are not getting enough sleep, that brain fog, I'll leave that right there. This is what's going on in our heads. Now, I don't know about you, but I go a whole night without sleep or a few nights with low sleep. And I don't know about you, but I get through part of the day and I am irritable. I'm just fighting to focus. My head is all over. Any little thing that comes up, I'm just, oh yeah. And I'm, I'm just like off in the toolies. I come home and, and my wife, Kathy, will say something. And I can feel myself just aggravated. She's looking at me like going, what is the deal with you? 
and I'm not sure what the deal is with me. I'm just, it's only in hindsight I'm looking going, oh. now can you imagine any kind of change, any kind of thing I'm wanting to achieve in my life? Pfft, forget that. Oh, drink enough water that day? Pfft, I'm lucky if I went to the bathroom. Like I just, I'm, I'm clued out. All the goals, all the aspirations take a back seat. Sleep deprivation an issue? All I'm going to say is if you have sleep issues, don't underestimate how much this is affecting your life. Go see a doctor. See a sleep expert. Do whatever you got to do. But I'm telling you, if you've been listening to this How to Change series and you have plans and you got sleep issues, it's going to make it exponentially hard for you to even get out of the chute on half that stuff. That's all I'll say about that. Let's move on. I want to give some really practical advice. Tech addiction and sleep deprivation, those are high overarching gravitational pulls that will always make everything that we're talking about now, the next couple minutes, extremely difficult. Those are big daddies. But let's talk about some, some things that we often think about in terms of really staying focused. Because some of you do have this under control. Some of you are sleeping great. Let's talk about some really practical things that you maybe haven't really thought deeply enough about that could help the focus on another side. Let's talk about cues and reminders. This was really interesting to me because I, I, if I didn't have reminders, I don't know where my life would be, honestly. Um, like they say we forget, the, the average adult forgets three things every day. I was telling some people that this morning, they're going, oh man. I'm pushing that average way up. <laughs> In fact, we forget nearly half of the stuff that we learned within 24 hours. Sorry, no, no, that's within 20 minutes. Half. So I know how much you're going to remember what I say tomorrow. Why, why do I even bother, right? Why don't I just cut this down by half? And it's just, they just remember that there. Half of what we'll, what we'll learn we'll forget in 20 minutes. It jumps to 60% within 24 hours. And by the end of the month, we've only retained 20% of everything we've learned. So setting up effective cues is incredibly key. Now, this is what I've learned. Most times, we focus more on what it is that we need to remember. Jeez, I've got to remember to floss more. That dentist told me off one too many times. We think, oh, I've got to remember to read to my kid at night. I've been hearing about that. That's important. I, I keep forgetting. Ah, oh, I can remember to take my vitamins. Whatever those things are. We're going, oh, I, 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 yeah, yeah, that's right. I got to do that. We think about those things, but we don't think very deeply about what it is. What is the most effective cue that I could give that would bring me to that thing? So what is it? Do I put the floss literally on top of my toothbrush? Because I, I seem to remember to do that. Do I put the book right on top of my, girl, my, my daughter's pillow and say, look it, in the morning, can you put this book right back on your bed so we can remember? Do we put the vitamins right next to the coffee maker? Because the Lord knows we won't forget our coffee. What, what, what is it? What is the cue? And even timing. How far in advance do you remind? Have you ever reminded yourself and then forgot after you reminded yourself? Yeah, I've been there. 
I got to the point now where I'm, I'm setting three reminders for important things, like one day in advance. Hey, heads up, Jeff, that's coming tomorrow. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. And then in the morning, but four hours away, just so you know, you got two meetings and then you got to do this, make that phone call. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I got to keep that in mind. And still the number of times I'm coming up and, oh, oh, I got to remember to make that phone call. So 10 minutes before, Jeff, phone call. We don't often get as strategic as we could in the reminder piece of this all. It's interesting, they did a study, University of Munich, they um, surveyed a bunch of students who were going home for Christmas over study break, asking them, what is one thing you'd like to achieve over the Christmas break, knowing it's Christmas break? How many of these students are gonna achieve anything? Some of them said, well, you know what? I gotta patch up my relationship with my boyfriend. Someone said, I, I need to write a term paper. Got to get that done. And they had a number of different things. So they, then they split the two groups. So they split the group that they had surveyed, split them into two groups, and they asked the one group, saying, look at more than the thing that you want to do, what is one thing that you could be a little bit more specific about? What is one cue that you could, you could use that might remind you of that? And so they're thinking about this. One person said, well, okay. She just thought a little deeper. She said, there's no way I'm going to write that term paper before Christmas. So I'm going to write the outline on the 27th, and then I'm going to take the 28th to the 30th to write that thing. She said, I'm going to set that reminder for that. So they had them just do something similar similar to that. They just said, okay, I'm, I'm going to set a reminder specifically for that thing. They came back. The groups that set up an acute, just gave it some thought, really thought through that cue, set it up, three times more successful at achieving what they set out than the group that just said, yeah, this is what I want to do. Just having a great intention. So giving thought to how it is you set up the cues that you really are wanting, the things that you're wanting to do, almost as important as really knowing what you want to do. Because without it, chances are, it can happen. Let's talk about time boxing. Most of you likely don't know this, but when we write our messages for a Sunday morning like this, we have to have our messages written by Friday. My work week typically is Tuesday to Friday, um, and then Saturday and Sunday. I take Mondays off. Vince's goes Monday to Thursday. So his deadline for his message is Thursday minus Friday. Every Friday we meet with a coach, someone who will sit down and go through the painful act of listening to our message in rough form. They'll give us feedback on it. They'll say, geez, that, that don't make sense. Uh, I got bored there. Well, what are you saying here? That wasn't funny. Don't tell that joke. They'll do all these things. But it never used to be like that. In fact, maybe if you come from traditional church circles, you're familiar with stories, and it was my story too. Sunday morning at 10.30 was our hard deadline for that message. There are times we would be writing frantically through the night, Saturday, trying to make this thing work. And then at one point we said, man, it would be so much better. We're always left with all this hindsight all, you know, like after the fact, right? They say hindsight's always 2020. 
I'd be driving home going, why did I even tell that story? That was unfair. What was I thinking right now? Uh, and we'd think, man, you know, this probably would be less painful if we could get someone on the front end to listen to this thing. So we did. We said, let's back this up. I remember at the time going, are you kidding me? Backing this up two, three days prior, there's no way we can get that thing written before then. There's no way. With everything that goes on in a week, all the other things that we're trying to organize and plan, no, there's no way. But we set the hard deadline. We said, you've got to have your rough draft by then. You know how many times we've missed the deadline? Bing! Zero. It happens. It's amazing how when you set hard deadlines for something you're wanting to do and build around that, especially if you attach consequences on the back end, that is incredibly, incredibly effective. This is what they call time boxing. Just a, a simple time management technique where you, f- you allocate a fixed maximum unit of time that you got to get something done. Say, this is how it's going to go. I'm going to get everything done by this time. And then if you want to take it up a notch, you go, and after that time period's done, I'm moving on to this. Rather than saying, hey, I gotta get a bun, I'm gonna try to get a bunch of yard work done this Saturday, this weekend. No, no. Time box it. Say, how much time do I really, if I was really on it, like really focused? Hmm. Probably get it done in about four hours. Okay. Here's what's gonna happen. Nine to one, we're getting her done. Barring snow Saturday morning. And then we're going to go out. We're going to have the, the neighbors over. <laughs> well, I got to get that done. I learned this with Flames games. I love watching Flames games at home, except when they lose like last night. That was a little painful last couple nights. What I've learned is I have to walk the dog. I don't walk it every night, but often I find it's my turn and the Flames game is on. I lose track. Now it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm putting on the jacket and the boots cursing out my dog going, oh man, I gotta go out, take him for the walk. So what I did is I said, all right, we're putting a time box on the front end of this thing. 5.30, we're going out. The game starts at seven. Ember, you and I, 5.30. And what ends up happening, what's the beautiful thing about this, is what lies at the end of it. When you can set up the time box and say, this is gonna happen. And it's a hard deadline. It's crazy. The level of effectiveness motivating you to stay focused. When you have a fixed time, you don't allow squirrels. You turn off your phone. When we write our messages, it's, it's, it's crazy how when you know that deadline's coming. When we're in the office here, man, the door shuts, the phone goes off, we put a sign up on our window, it says, do not disturb. I'm locking down. Now, one thing about time boxing is they've realized that our attention span is, is only, can only be stretched so far. To do a four or six hour time box, pretty tough. So what you got to do is maybe plan 90 minute increments. 90 minutes, drop in, turn off the phone and focus. Get her done. If you can do this effectively, Flow state often follows very carefully. It's when you allow some of the squirrels in. 
talk about that in a second. As you're heading into the time box, whatever it is that you're doing, think about what you've eaten. Make sure you've eaten something because that all of a sudden, you're like right in the middle of it. Man, I'm hungry. Hey? Oh, I got to go to the washroom. That's all it takes. One little pee break and all of a sudden you're on Amazon again, right? Or whatever. What you've eaten, what you've drank, going to the washroom, lock in. It sounds like kind of crazy or for some maybe restrictive, but it's amazing how when all of a sudden you remove, the fo- you remove all the distractions and the focus starts coming in, the motivations rise. Let's talk about that scheduling play before work. This is another trick that they say. So you want to respond to email. You want to surf the internet. Maybe you want to go and chat with someone at work. And your mind is kind of being drawn there. What you do is you schedule your play before you, you step into the time box. And you say, no, I'm not going to do that right now. I'm going to save a half an hour right after this first time box to do all this stuff. I'm going to spend some time on Facebook after that. I'm going to go on Instagram. I'm going to send off some stuff. I'm going to post a story. I want to call so-and-so. I just want to surf the net. My mind is tired. Okay, you got a half an hour at 11 o'clock for that. Now, this, this is interesting. Now, some of you, I know you do this religiously. This was never my wiring. But when you start reading about the power of one text to pull you out of that moment, if this thing isn't somehow removed, it's crazy. They call this the switch cost effect. Have you heard of this? You try to do more than one thing at one time, and exponentially everything goes flat. If you're in the middle of doing something, did you know, and you get interrupted by a text or a notification on your phone, and it pulls you into it, even for a moment, just to see what's going on, it takes you 23 minutes to go back and achieve the same level of focus you had before that thing arrived. 23 minutes. When you're partner, your kid, your boss says, why can't you just reply to my test? It takes you one minute. No. It costs me 23 minutes to get back to where I was in that moment. Time boxing and then allowing for the distraction later, key. Hewlett Packard did this crazy study. It was a distraction study. Um, Two groups one was allocated time completely distraction-free. Took everything that could possibly distract them away from them. They worked for an hour. The other group, they were continually distracting them. After it was all said and done, the distracted group had lost. They came in 10 IQ points lower than the undistracted group. 10 IQ points. Now, what does that mean? I wouldn't have had a clue. I would be like, is that bad? Good. Like, how much is that? Did you know if you're stoned on marijuana, like if you're fully baked on marijuana, you know how many points you've lost? Five. You're twice as baked by being distracted, man. You're like, oh, who needs weed, man? All you have to do is just get the last someone to just keep texting you. 
<laughs> Sorry. Does that not blow your mind? Distractions are killing our abilities to be able to focus on the things and, 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 and be as efficient as effective. They've determined that if you receive eight texts per hour while you work, your brain power is diminished by 30%. I think I've said enough there. This is why scheduling in advance, time, away from their work. Pay attention to this. Pay attention to whatever else you've got going on. Okay, fine. Set it aside. And then get this freaking off. Not only will it motivate you, but the work you'll do will be so much better. We're getting more done in less time. Number one, <laughs> number one excuse, when you start asking people, how, how did it go this week? Were you able to kind of knock? I, I just ran out of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 23 minutes, 23 minutes, 23 minutes, 23 minutes, 23 minutes. What do you want to do? What do you want to change? What is it right now in your life you're going, I really want to become this kind of person. I want to do less of this. I've been working on this habit or this vice. Like, what is your thing? I've been saying this for weeks and weeks now. You're not here for shits and giggles. You could be doing a million other things Sunday morning, but for some reason you showed up at the spiritual gym for some kind of workout. Why? Because you want to be something. You want to experience something in your world. You want to leave some kind of mark. So what is it? Do you have a picture of that? If you don't have a picture of that, all of this, you're kind of going, oh yeah, that's neat, that's neat. No, if you have a picture of it, what I'm giving you is a tool to get closer to it. I hope this week you'll get serious. You'll look, think deeply about those things. They're not pipe dreams. They are achievable. They're attainable. And if we can just learn to corral a few of these things, be a little bit more specific, and be more careful of things that are still in our focus, we'll get to the end of the week and we'll feel what that feels like to all of a sudden go, I feel it changing. You too will be the person that's writing and going, Jeff, frick, I've never, ever been able to stay on it this long. It's happening. I never thought I could quit this. It's happening. I'm winning. Yes! This isn't about shame. This isn't about, oh, you're not good enough and you got to become someone better. No, you know deep down inside who you want to be. You know what it is you want for your life. And here's your chance. So, what will it mean? Will it mean just being a little bit more careful, turning off a notification, watching the social dilemma? Will it mean seeing a sleep expert, turning off your phone two hours prior, setting your alarm, saying, no, I'm winding down for the night. I need my rest. Be more careful, thinking deeply about how can I remind myself to do that thing I want to do? Maybe it's time boxing. You say, I'm going to be, I'm going to just be a little bit more deliberate about my boxes that I'm dividing my time up this week. And I'm going to shoot for some flow state. 
we got this, hey? That's my prayer for you. My prayer for you is that that thing inside that you're wanting for who you are and what you want to be, you'll take another step toward that. It's a journey, isn't it? That's why we're here. That's my hope for you. Have a great week, everyone. Take a step, hey? Let's, uh, let's get some focus. Let's quit clowning around, all right? <laughs> all right, have a great week. That's all we got. Next week, Vince is up. And I've already forgotten what he's talking about, so I'll, I'll work on that. <laughs> have a great week, everyone.